Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss modern-day Jane Austen adaptations. Now covering Emma Approved, I'm Jillian Davis. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. Keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Pemberley. You can help support our running costs on patreon.com slash thepemberley. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. This week, we are covering... The last two episodes of the Emma Approved Revival. Sad face. Sad, definitely. It's funny because I I am sad because obviously I want this show to go on forever and ever and ever. (laughs) But part of me is very selfishly happy that we don't have to keep juggling old episodes with the revival. Because I know you and I were talking (laughs) about like how to do that. (laughs) This cancellation really suits our personal schedules. That's awful. Yeah. No, it's but, awful. But I but hey, no, I genuinely actually missed this show. No, I think it you know, it was taken too soon from us. We got to live back in the Emma approved world for a little while and see all our favorite characters and that's where we're at, unfortunately. And these are the last two that we'll cover forever. I mean, we still <laughs> have so much of Emma season one to cover, yeah. so We're still definitely not done there, but as far as new Emma, this is the last one. There's a real sense of finality to it. Yeah. In a way, yes. In a way, no, because we do still have a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm just thinking about all the other episodes we have to do and all the people we haven't met, and I'm here to tell you there's, like, a lot of work ahead of us. (laughs) More to come. Yeah. Before we get into that, we're going to go over the stuff that we are currently reading and or watching. So what's funny is uh, Yolanda and I plan on talking about what we're both watching. I'm, I'm going to give this a little preface. Both of what we're watching is like dark. Yeah. And it's actually a little fitting for our, <laughs> like the finality. I guess of, like, so. Brew, yeah, like, let's, oh. let's tie it in that way. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. So I'm watching Bodyguard on Netflix. And here's the part that's not sad. I have found the future Mr. Jim. Jillian Davis, and okay. his name is Richard Madden. I mean, it's funny because I know who he is because he was Rob Stark on Game of Thrones. Spoilers, he totally gets murdered. Oh, um, okay. But he's like, <laughs> he is a handsome man. And in this, so Bodyguard, I feel like is kind of like, kind of like the British version of Scandal. Basically, this like former soldier uh, now works private security and he like, in the first episode, he thwarts a major terrorist attack. And so he becomes the bodyguard to the home secretary. Hmm. And um, they end up sort of like having an affair, but it's also like he's deta- he's like dealing with his PTSD and like the stress of like trying to like keep his family together all while guarding her. Oh, and he doesn't agree. He's with- married. They're separated. Oh, okay. They're separated. So like, you said affair. I was like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like more affair in the sense that like they really shouldn't be because like because they, he's, he's her working bodyguard. For yeah, her. He's, like he's her yeah. subordinate. Right. But it's like and also like. Her politics, like, totally differ. Like, like her politics are the reason he, like, became a soldier. Like, the reason oh, he had to fight. Because wow. she wanted to, like, send people to war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so it's, like, very heavy with, like, just kind of, like, looming thoughts of, like, terrorism and secrets and lies and politicians. But he is a good looking guy <laughs> and he's just like i he's a really great character i i very much enjoy watching him and listening to him but tell us about what you're watching <laughs> so this show was originally on lifetime and they released it on netflix it stars pen badgley love him if you've seen gossip girl i feel like you would also love this show because there's a lot of similar vibes to it pen plays this guy named joe goldberg who is the manager of this bookstore in new york 
and he meets this girl and quickly becomes obsessed with her and like finds out everything about her and sort of orchestrates a way to meet her and quickly integrates himself into her life and like just takes control of every element really and is always keeping tabs on her so he's like a stalker and she thinks he's like the greatest guy ever because he is presenting himself to be like the perfect boyfriend based on what she likes too so it's a really creepy series and he's very attractive and like he plays that role so well of like switching between the perfect boyfriend and the manipulative person too oh boy yeah so you had me for a while there when you were like he stalks her and he integrates himself into her life i'm like what's wrong with that (laughs) (laughs) aren't we all doing that no i think that's what's so problematic about it that he's also been like so there are women out there who like this character and you shouldn't because i think it's that weird thing of like oh he's chasing her and he like really wants to be with her and he's doing everything he goes to murder. So Whoa. <laughs> it goes that dark. See, that's, I have a standard. Of like, yeah. I only date guys who don't murder. And like, she doesn't, he, she doesn't know that he's mm. doing all this. So like yeah. everything that he's doing is behind her back and very manipulative and all of that. So yeah. it's a very um, engaging series though. Definitely if you like Gossip Girl, you'll like this. I will say like, I see similarities between, because Gossip Girl, I guess, spoiler. Like, he turns yeah. out to be a... He's Gossip Girl. And he's like... <laughs> you just mixed Pretty Little Liars. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> because, because Shay Mitchell from Pretty Little Liars is also in You on Netflix. So that's uh, why I mixed it up. Because it well, is... also sort of the same It thing. is like a grown-up Pretty Little Liars and Gossip Girl combined. Got almost. it. But Got it. him being gossip girl and like knowing everyone's dirt and all of that is kind of like his character it's like a darker version of that character all right um on that happy note dark dark shows fun times speaking of the internet (laughs) so previously on the revival emma set up collins to test out being a sommelier she set up this whole uh tasting night where he could show off his skills and try to practice it things go very bad bmart and harriet get drunk very quickly and emotions come out (laughs) and uh it ends in a disaster like harriet hits emma violently like (laughs) accidentally yeah accidentally hits her but like glasses are thrown on the floor and people are yelling and it's it's just very dramatic like roman times (laughs) that's kind of where we're at we're at the aftermath of that disastrous wine tasting so starting with episode seven coulda woulda shoulda written by julie lou everyone is just sad and like we start on emma who's just the most sad sad i mean like you know, she she sort of watched that disaster happen and she feels responsible for it. Yeah. It's like the most unconfident and self-deprecating I've seen Emma be because she's just like, she's sitting outside and Knightley comes up to like, what's wrong, Emma? And she's just like, why did I let Mr. Collins ply everyone with alcohol? That was so stupid. Emma Woodhouse has once again ruined her best friend's lives. And it's weird to just see her that down on herself. Well, and then we learn really quickly why she's so down on herself, which is because, I mean, the whole reason that Harriet and B-Mart broke up was because B-Mart was like, hey, do you want to get married? And she was like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. But we just learned that Emma encouraged B-Mart to have that conversation with Harriet. Yeah, so she's been holding on, I guess, to that guilt of like, I'm the one who made this happen because Mm -hmm. of the fact that I encouraged B-Mart to have that talk. They broke up and now like my two friends slash employees are 
aren't speaking to each other and everything's a disaster. So she does feel very responsible for that. It's not really, it's not, that's not meddling though. It's not meddling in the way that she's used to meddling. Because yeah. usually she's the one like, she would be then orchestrating like, okay, so you're gonna say you want to get married and then you'll come back here and I'll have the proposal set up and then like swans will be like released and everything. So like then after that- like, Cranes. Yeah, cranes. <laughs> more cranes are going to get released and then you're going to propose and she'll say yes and it'll be beautiful and like the documentary crew will capture everything. But that wasn't Emma this time. She wasn't that level of extra, you know? She just said a simple thing of like, why don't you ask her if you want to get married? Massacre. I mean, honestly, I feel like what you just described is something that would have happened yeah. if the marriage talk had gone the way everyone thought it would. Because right. the whole reason she suggested it is because I'm sure Emma was looking at them and I'm like, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. I'm realizing it's been five years. Yeah. And you guys are perfect for each other. So B-Mart, why don't you like go ahead and like ask her, like talk about marriage. Yeah. And he did. And to everyone's surprise, Harriet was not interested. And... Emma feels really guilty because she's like, I see, I should have gone to Harriet first, asked her if she wanted to marry B-Mart, and then, but here, but here's what would have happened. Basically, she would have gone to Harriet, and she would have said, hey, what do you think about you and B-Mart getting married? And then Harriet would have been like, oh no, I don't want to get married. And then they would have had that conversation anyway, mm-hmm. and they would have broken up anyway. So, I mean, that, and that's what Alex's argument is to Emma of, like, like he would have had they, that conversation anyway. Yeah, without your encouragement or whatever, like, B-Mart would have brought up marriage regardless. I guess it's whether or not Harriet would have had a heads up. Yeah. That's the only difference. And does it matter? Does it ma- Does the heads up even matter? Like, the heads up is like, do you want to get married? You know? And then, yeah. And then the conversation ensues, and there's real no real he- need for a heads up on that, I think. Yeah. So she's feeling really bad about herself. Yeah, so that's one of the things I'm wondering is that, Emma is the ultimate matchmaker. Of course, she's always going to be like trying to push people to take that next step. But is she also projecting her own feelings of her relationship onto Harriet and B-Mart and being like, you know what? It's been five years. Are you thinking about marriage? And like, maybe she just doesn't want to ruin something really special that she has with Alex. And is like, you know what? I'm going to push that on them. (laughs) Maybe that will spark a conversation with me and Alex and then we'll talk about marriage. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is not addressed at all. And I think no. it's a very... It's annoyingly not addressed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like, why are they married or engaged the, or something? The idea... Like, I feel like the only way I would allow them to get out of ta- not talking about the fact that it's been five years and Emma and Alex are not engaged or, like, married... Talking about marriage. ...is I need to hear about some kind of, like, five to ten year plan that they've yeah. made where they're like, we want to live together for this many years or for this long before getting married or, yeah. like, getting engaged or whatever. And I didn't hear any talks about that. No. And I don't think Emma Woodhouse would allow a guy, even a guy that is as great as Knightley... To enter into this union without having a plan for when he's going to ask her to marry him. I mean, it's kind of nice that we are jumping between Emma season one and this new Emma is that we know Emma's feelings before were that she wasn't focused on a relationship and like entering into that like idea of like partnering with someone and growing with them was like, no, ew, I don't want to do that. But now she's in a different place in life and she has been in a seemingly, I think, healthy relationship with Alex for five years. So is there a next step to that? Has she thought about what the next step would be? Or is Emma just like not thinking about that? Which seems absurd to me. No, there's no way. (laughs) That like Emma wouldn't be thinking about what is their 
their future? What is their plan? There is no way Emma is planning all these weddings and all these everythings for every other person on earth. And not saving and it for her own binder. There's <laughs> like, no way she doesn't have yeah. her own binder. Exactly. Yeah. Like every cutouts of everything. Like, oh, this worked at this wedding and this worked here. And I'm uh, I, she's constructing like the perfect wedding for herself. Like she could easily do that. Or she could have like the most low key wedding ever because she knows like how much work goes into it. But well, and it's funny because I think Alex would enjoy something low key. Yeah. But let's not act like she's not going to plan that either. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it is weird that their relationship is never addressed in these eight episodes. Never. No, they're just kind of like living together, together and happy about it. Again, like we I assume we assume they live together yeah. because they're in that house. Yeah. I guess. Anyway, <laughs> so I think we can all agree that this is a projection of Emma wanting Alex because it's it is I think kind of the older I get, the more I see marriage as kind of like a domino effect where mm. people who are in serious relationships they like, start to who's like, the first one to drop, who's the first one to get married, and yeah. then it's like oh wow I love weddings, I love getting married, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that Alex, um, I feel weird calling him Alex Knightley. Yeah. I, I like that Knightley does build up Emma again. He's like, you know what? This wasn't your fault. You know, he's super encouraging and being like, you are Emma Woodhouse. Like, this is fine. Like, it would have, like, the marriage talk would have come up eventually. But I'm like, is it in your mind, Knightley? Is the marriage talk in your mind? I don't know. But- it would bother me if it weren't. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Let's, like, who else is he going to be with, you know? <laughs> like, who is he going to find who's better than Emma? No one. <laughs> I do like the small burn, I guess, on Harriet. <laughs> when he was like, <laughs> okay, it's not so long ago that she could have been easily swayed to fall in love with just about anyone. <laughs> Dang, naive. <I> <laughs> do you remember how brainwashed she was we, by you? We all knew she was naive, but calling her out on that. You said it. I feel it's so sad. Poor Harriet. Like five, it's like five years later. She's probably like twenty-seven, and no one lets her forget how naive she was at twenty-two. Remember Aren't we that, all idiots? When we're twenty-two, <laughs> I feel like that's the law. Remember when Icelandic yogurt was like oh my the gosh. celery soda was the basis of your match? Freaking Bmart won't let her forget it in the middle of an argument. No. Nightly won't let Emma forget about it five yeah. years later. Like, give the girl a break. You people weren't perfect five years ago either. Yeah. Nightly wore too many khakis. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to, like, overlook that? Yeah. And then it goes to a nightly confessional documentary crew, assuming they're asking him questions. Like, he's, like, going through and processing, like, yeah, Emma really cares about Harriet. And B-Mart. And again, it's like, yeah, five years ago, that was the same thing. Where have you been, Knightley? Like, they were close then, and they're still close. Of course, like, she cares about her friend. And, like, in his mind, he's maybe, like, too practical, but he, like, separates it, like, friends, employees. They're my employees. Mm -hmm. That's all I see them as, to the point where he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I should have checked in on B-Mart, I guess. I don't know if he's fine. I probably should have taken him out for a drink or something. I could have. I would have. I should have. Boys are so dumb. Yeah. What? Like, because girls, we just want to talk about everything that ever happens to us. (laughs) And they're just like, I don't know. Like, this guy I see every day. I know he went through a breakup and it was rough, but I don't really know. Yeah, it's like, well, did you ask him? (laughs) Like, no. Oh. Did he tell me? No! He's like, I guess I should ask him. Yes. I guess I should take him out for drinks. And it's almost like, is it too late? It might be too late. Maybe I'll just, like, back away and, like, forget it ever happened. No, you idiot. (laughs) And then we see Emma in the confessional, and she's also going through, like, where did this go wrong? 
I will say an interesting element of this documentary crew is before in season one when Emma is self-documenting she's the one going through all her observations and she's the one kind of like following her own train of thought versus this in this one the documentary crew is like probably bringing up new questions of her for her to think about and she's like oh well I guess I didn't think about that or maybe this is why it failed maybe it's helpful for her to like hear it phrased in a different way to be able to own up to her her own mistakes faster. I don't know, because it feels like in Emma season one, it did sometimes take her a little longer to like realize her mistakes, or it's just at a point where she's grown up and she's like, I've made a lot of mistakes and I know when I've made one too. That's good. That's what's great about getting older. Yeah. I guess this Collins failure slash Harriet B. Mart failure. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like she's had a lot of losses recently because of the Anne Elliott failure and yeah. then this was supposed to be like, the Collins thing was supposed to be the next successful thing after that. Yeah. Supposed to be the one to get her back on her feet. And like, she's just fallen again. B-Mart and Harriet aren't talking. She's fallen again. Yeah. Well, because not only did the B-Mart Harriet thing happen, but I think that in the process of B-Mart, or um, sorry, Collins trying to be a sommelier, I think they discovered that he is no good at being a sommelier. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, but that was the next thing that was my rebound client you know that's what he is he's a rebound client yeah then Knightley comes in says some nice things emma has like a very sherlock moment where she like Knightley says one thing and she's like piecing everything together in the air and she's like yes and then kisses him and rushes out and Knightley's like i guess i did something right i was kissed and that's what i remember (laughs) from that conversation As she was leaving, though, I did realize she was in her pajamas this entire episode. I mean, I, I noticed because it was really, but it was yeah. like really cute pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't realize it because we only saw like the top half or something. But it was like, I think, reflective of whenever she's sad, she dresses down. So in this case, but she like, just, still really chic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this case, yeah, yeah her hair still looked great. <laughs> so. It's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> sad Emma is sad. And that takes us into the last episode Moving Forward, written by Bernie Sue and Julie Liu. And Emma's definitely bounced back because she looks gorgeous. The pink dress with the collar necklace is just like 10 out of 10. And Emma's like, I'm cheery, I'm happy. And Mm -hmm. Knightley acknowledges it. And then Colin's like bursts in and he's had... A, we find out what Emma's aha moment was, which oh, is- Oh, right, because she had w- called Collins and yeah. been like, you need to come in here immediately, and then it led to this. And we need to have a long talk, and yeah. <laughs> I bet you he delivered. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, Emma's grand idea, which is not a bad one at all, is that he's destined to be a tour guide. Yeah. Which is perfect, because he just walks around talking about everything. I feel like he's basically a tour guide for his own life right now. Exactly. He was initially complaining about like kids on their phones and- Fidget spinners. Fidget spinners. But he but didn't call like, them that. Yeah. <laughs> he realizes, like, no, actually, I got a lot of information across, and the crowd seemed to like it, and I, this seems like a good fit. And he was made the, um, the, senior the well, a senior partner at the Huntsford tour guide company which is the finest tour guide company in all of huntsford i was so confused (laughs) does does that seem a little fast after one interview to be a senior partner i feel like partner means that you need to like slave away like a dog for like 10 years and then you're and then you like buy into a partnership and then it's a big deal you're brought into a room with a bunch of board members and you're like we want to offer you this maybe then he becomes a partner and it's like a big deal 
I feel like you don't go on one job interview, give one good tour, and they're like, we need you as a senior partner. It's also, tour guide company of Huntsford? Where is Huntsford? I don't know. But also another thing, to be made a partner, you should be working in that industry, presumably. He has not been in the tour guide industry. He's been in it for like, one tour. I get it. Maybe if like you've been in that industry and like you're like an esteemed person and they want to bring you on to like elevate their reputation. But for someone who's completely new to it and on one tour to be like, we're blown away. <laughs> this must be a tiny company who they're like, the Collins, the Mr. Ricky Collins. We got to have him. I was about to say, maybe they've got really low standards. Yeah. <laughs> like, Actually, maybe this isn't a prestigious I tour know. company. Emma was saying it was prestigious, but now I think that's like a buzzword. Yeah, <laughs> they're like on the rise. That's the that's the thing. They're on the rise. Huntsford, is that a Pride and Prejudice I was, you know, I or, didn't. Or Emma reference? I didn't really Google it, but I. Huntsford Parsonage? Oh. Oh, it's in Pride and Prejudice. Was bequeathed to William Collins and his wife Charlotte. So oh. that was. So that is the land that Mr. Collins and his wife, Charlotte Collins, in Pride and Prejudice, that's the land that they inherited. So not Rosings, not Netherfield, but right. Hunsford, Hunsford. Is, is near Rosings Park in Kent. I don't know where so, it is here, but he has found his calling because after just one interview and one tour, they're like, you're a senior partner. Yeah. Here's the next sketchy thing that happens in the next scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Collins is like wrapping up his MO work and signing, like crossing the T's and dotting the I's and he pays them a huge envelope full of cash. Which like hundred dollar bills. Emma is not concerned about, but Knightley's like, you see this? <laughs> yeah. Like, did he knock over a freaking bank or something? I don't know, but Did he give a tour of the bank and then take everything? What's the sketchy what really happened? Why did Collins yeah. leave Collins and Collins? And why does he have an envelope full of cash? Maybe there's and why did he flee to the States? Yeah! He was oh. happy up in Canada. What if he did, what if he's like out on the run? It is very unlike Collins to be like, he, uh, you know this thing that I've been doing forever and that I love? I'm going to stop doing it now. Yeah. Who did he piss off? Who did he screw over? So he had to run back to In to the, the new media mafia. <laughs> that he like, was like, I want to go back to America, break up with my fiance, and also I'd like a brand new life. Coincidence? Oh What's going on in Collins' life? Probably not. We're piecing everything together. Oh, snap. Things are not looking good for Collins. No. He's on the run. He's looking for a new identity. Now he's giving tours in Huntsford. It's <laughs> Who a would simple think to life. He's got a simple life where no one can find him. Cash only. <laughs> <laughs> Cash only transactions. It would explain why he eats so much Taco Bell. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't see this sooner. My goodness. There is wow. trouble that is running amok in this world. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. That's Epi- what we're here for. We're talking about <laughs> the things that no one else wants to talk about. Episode nine would have been uh, his fiance knocking on the door and being like, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> he stole all of my money and he like, screwed all these guys over. And now the Canadian mafia or the new media mafia is out to get him. Yeah. <laughs> which I... I think needs its own spin-off series, yeah, exactly. if we're going to be completely honest. <laughs> this is this is what actually happened. This is canon. <laughs> yep. This is definitely canon. You can't, what do you have, proof that it's not canon? No, you don't. So Collins thanks Emma for a job well done, and she thanks him for a job well done, because I think she learned a lot of patience. Yeah. I think she learned a lot about her friends. Then we see Harriet and B-Mart having their much-needed chat. 
Yeah, Harriet comes back in, she apologizes to Emma, and she's like, I invited Bobby over here. So they have, it seems like, a very simple conversation of just like, so we're cool, we're gonna still both work here, but, you know, things just need to go back to being slightly awkward. Wait, they were, so. Yeah. And they're, it seems, I mean, it's good at least, you know, they fist bump and like, they're pals. and. Yeah. It, they're just kind of going about it the best they can. I can't even imagine not working at Emma Approved anymore. I mean, what would I do anyway? The best part of my day is coming in and seeing Emma and Alex and Bobby. I really wish sometimes that Bobby had never mentioned getting married. We might still be together then. They're probably still secretly in love with each other. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, Harriet says that, right? I was, I was just about to say, I didn't imagine that she said, um... I, I wonder if we'd still be together if, if he hadn't brought up marriage. Yeah. Isn't that sad? I mean, it is because if marriage is still on his mind and if she's like, so they both still want to be with each other, yeah. but it's just, they've come to that point where it's like, he wants to get married. I don't. And what can we do? Yeah. We just have to be apart for right now. I also want everyone to know that Harriet was wearing a Hamilton pin. Yeah. And I won't apologize for noticing it. So again, why didn't she use a Hamilton reference in her affirmations? We don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> Bringing that never. up again. <laughs> uh, maybe it was thrown out as an option and it was ultimately rejected. For and Spongebob. They are ma- for Spongebob. <laughs> this is their way of making up for it by having her wear a Hamilton pin. Fine. And then we see another relationship blossom via Knightley and B-Mart. Yeah. Because Alex just kind of comes in and he's like, I was actually just wanting to ask how you are. I'm all right. You're suffering or whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, just for the past like two months. I but, know. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for checking in now. Thanks for no. checking in. <laughs> he's a great guy about it. And then he was like, do you want to like get a drink or something? And he's like, yeah, man, just no wine. Because like, ah. <laughs> wine makes you into an animal. <laughs> and uh, then, then, yeah, the weird, we've like, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say we've like spent like 25 minutes, like sort of conspiring about this like Knightley holds out his fist for a fist bump and then B-Mart grabs his fist and just kind of shakes it around yeah and I don't know what that's about I don't know it's the most awkward thing like I would say let's try it but it's so awkward yeah like (laughs) okay that's so weird it looks like like if someone were to walk in on us right now they'd think you were about to punch me in the face yeah and then you stopped it it. okay I have seen this one thing if you do it to me and then I've seen this Stick shift. <laughs> <laughs> where have you seen that? I was like, it was like in high school. Oh like my dumb, gosh. Like, high school jokes where you grab, you grab like their hand and you like move it around and you say stick shift. So that's really funny. Actually, that's the only version I've ever seen it. Some people in the comments were saying like, oh, paper beats rock or yeah. So they were saying but that. But even that too. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. In this context. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so it we're is. just left wondering. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then we just, we, we end rather solemnly and sentimentally of just Emma and Alex like standing out on the balcony of their beautiful home. So, what now? Now we find our next client. I'm so excited to see who it's going to be. And then that's it. What was, what's been definitely enlightening to me and just so interesting discussing this series is like when we're when we're discussing original Emma, 
even when it was airing for the first time, it was based on a book, Emma. Mm -hmm. And so the guess wasn't really like, what's going to happen next? It was more like, I wonder how they're going to adapt this. Right. And keeping an eye out for that. And we don't have the benefit of hindsight here. Yeah. Not, not only were they not working off of like a fixed book that's been in the domain for like the lexicon for like hundreds of years. It's not as if we knew how everyone turned out and then like I'm looking back five years later and are talking about this. Right. Know? Yeah. Because people were hoping that the next arc would have been in Elliot coming back in. And so then you would have been back into like the book you would follow Anne's story, you yeah. know, and you would see that Persuasion. play out within Emma's world mm -hmm. and you would know, kind of anticipate what's going to happen next, that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, in this case with Collins, it was completely original. So we had no idea where that was going. I did want to talk about the differences between season one, season two, as far as the way it was documented. Mm -hmm. So season one was Emma self-documenting her greatness. And you could say in a way she was picking and choosing what to show or like how to portray her company, that sort of thing. But in this version, it is a documentary crew that has come into their office and they're the ones capturing everything and capturing this story. What do you think are the advantages or disadvantages of like that difference in format? I mean, I definitely like seeing everybody up and walking around and moving. Yeah. And I like I like the movement. I love the action of it. And in some ways, Emma proved like 1.0 was kind of like one big confessional because like they right. were always sitting and looking at the camera and talking about their opinion and what was happening. Mm -hmm. And in this, there are a lot more moments. I mean, and there were these moments in first Emma, but like in second Emma, there's a lot more moments where they're caught off guard. And yeah. where they kind of like don't really... They don't realize they're on camera sometimes. Yeah. Or that they're being filmed. Yeah. What's interesting about this version is in Emma 1.0, um, Emma was like setting this up to document her greatness. And like she was on top and she was ready for the world to know how amazing she was. In this case, the documentary crew was brought in kind of by Harriet and Knightley. Yeah. Right after Emma lost her, like her most devastating loss. So like, yeah. we're starting from a really different place. Like in first Emma, she's like, I'm Emma Woodhouse and I'm going to make your life better. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to be awesome. In this case, Emma's like in recovery mode from losing a major client, not because of anything she did, but because mm. she decided he, she didn't want to get married to the guy that she was with. Yeah, it is... It, it, can, it, it is weird timing, I suppose, of like why they decided to bring the documentary crew in right then, right after that failure. Yeah. Because in season one, 1.0, after the Elton failure, she took a break. She took like almost a two month break yeah. just to be away and like recenter and not think about the office, the documentary or anything like that. And then once she felt back in the right place of mind, she came back to the office and started documenting it again. Versus this, it's like catching her at her most vulnerable moment of like trying to rebuild herself. And that it can be difficult to talk through all of those feelings and have to talk to a documentary crew of like, yeah, this is what I'm feeling. Things suck. I messed up again. Yeah. So it's just kind of us watching her put like rebuild the pieces of her life. Yeah. And she has a lot less say over it because it's like a crew that's in charge of all of this. Right. And like what they're going to capture. Wait, so I, yeah, I guess it was in a way Knightley and Harriet's way of like, this is the way to get her back. She liked the documenting thing. Yeah. And this is a way to kind of like get her to not worry about having to film everything and like things are just set up for her. But I think Emma likes that control too of being able to like, have 
camera set up at people's desks and capture yeah. them and yeah. and catch them off guard in her own way versus like someone else doing it. I mean, there are several times during this season that Emma like chases off the camera crew. Yeah. Like, can I have a minute? You know? Yeah. Like, she was it's like, daunting for her too. To, she's like, like, come closer. I'll throw you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's not happy about it sometimes. In the first episode when she's so crazy mad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole, it's like a very different Emma that we're sort of getting to see. But I mean, also the same. We don't know really what's been up with the company in that five-year gap but i mean presumably they've been doing well without documenting for five years too yeah yeah so in the alternate universe where you know emma proved is still running the company is still going they're just not documenting it yeah i mean i think doesn't at the end of emma approved 1.0 they're kind of like this has been fun but i'm gonna stop for a while and like live in the moment yeah and it's yeah, five yeah. years later and they're like she's still living in the moment <laughs> yeah but it's like five years later now and they're like well let's go back to documenting yeah but instead of like us worrying about it let's hire people to worry about it yeah so maybe Maybe in the fictional world, it is the you know they're still fine. It's just like they fired the documentary crew and they were like, "All right, we're uh, yeah. still gonna keep doing business." <laughs> yep, that's very funny. Yeah. I wonder because it's interesting. I remember in like the original Emma approved world, yeah, because like with Lizzie Bennet diaries, like she was in that world, she was like making the videos and putting them on the internet, and so mm-hmm. people were in danger of finger finding like it. in real time, in real time, yes. Whereas for Emma Approved, these were kind of like secret documents that were just like on her computer. And like, it's not like the internet was seeing them right away. No, no, no. So she was talking to an audience, but it wasn't necessarily an internet audience that was like in danger of like figuring things out about her. Right. And I'm kind of curious to know what this documentary crew is. Is it the same thing where like they're filming it and it's like not, it's like unseen footage? Or is this stuff on the internet, you know? Because they don't really reference the audience at all. I'm inclined to say that it's more of like it was posted after the fact rather than in real time. Just because the only acknowledgement we get is just the annoyance of the documentary crew and not so much, oh, and this person said this. I mean, I guess in the the Q&As that they did as well, like they would be answering fan questions. So there is that element, but it's like, so I guess that could be the argument that it is being posted in real time. But then I don't know. I don't know. We don't know anything about anything. I do like that even though the show doesn't get to go on, they do leave things a little resolved as far as like Harry and Beamer. Okay, they're on good terms. Emma's going to be fine. She's found her confidence. They wrap up Collins' story and things are going to, there's like hope in the future and like the next client sort of thing. Like they're moving on. Thank you next. Yeah, thank you next. Uh, They're at least in a positive direction and things seem to be like headed in a good way for the company and for all of them. Just sort of like a let's look to the future kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It pans up into the sky and (laughs) it doesn't do that, but you can imagine. But they could. I can imagine. (laughs) So, for the last time for the revival, uh, let's go to the comment section, starting with episode seven, starting with one of our comments. The Pemberley podcast, who are they? Yeah, uh, we said, so have Emma and Knightley had the marriage talk? I would also like to point out, this isn't like us, this is you. Yeah, (laughs) fine. Yes. This was me. Jumping but, in the comments, trying to, but yeah, you know what? Trying I to get wanted, my point there. I also wanted to know. Yeah. So we she speaks for this. both of us. Yes. Lizzie says, I really love seeing Emma in these moments that she wouldn't have let us see before, where she's in a little less control. Yeah. I mean, her being captured at any moment 
does kind of allow for more vulnerable moments, even though she did show a lot of that in Emma season one, where, you know, she's like openly crying on camera and like, she's like, I failed and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, in this in this one, you do see a little more of like everyone's vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Caroline says, I knew Emma was going to blame herself for all of it, but seeing as B-Mart came to her looking for advice about Harriet, it means he was already thinking about it. Harriet's behavior isn't on her either. She did give the impression of being someone who'd want to, well, who would want a marriage early on when we first met her. And Emma has had her own business to take care of, and a lot has been happening there, without having to worry about the nuances of Harriet's character growth. What a comment. I also want to yeah. point out that these two people that we've read are Lizzie and Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at that and I was like, is this some kind of joke? No. <laughs> Emma does come to that realization with the help of Knightley of being like, you know, they would have talked about it eventually. So yeah. you're not at fault. I agree. From episode eight, Drag and Drop says, I love this revival and the mockumentary style filming slash editing. I really hope they continue and flesh out one of Jane Austen's other novels. I think having a clear plot line to follow slash cleverly reference like they did with Emma Approved and LBD will add more structure to the writing and the characters we know and love. Please keep on going, Emma Approved. I don't know why I chose to pull this comment. I was just like, you see, we had all the hope in the world that they would keep going. Michael says... Uh, you got a tech problem? What? No. A plus on delivery, boys. Great comedic timing. Yeah, boys. <laughs> Miriam D says, Harriet wearing the Hamilton pin. Mentioning she wishes B-Mart hadn't mentioned getting married because that was a breakup point for her. Trying to find the subtle connection. She knows she has to fight a duel and die? Like, ugh, that tease of knowing that it was the breakup point, but not why. Gah! Also, very sad for this to end. Was excited to see it go on. I'm not in a position to Patreon, but I loved the content. Thanks for making it. And Pemberley, don't stop developing projects. Yeah, we kind of touched on that, that Harriet, well, if we didn't ever talk about that, would we still be together? And yeah. the answer is maybe, but we, we just don't know. Because they fought and they broke up. (laughs) Never will know. Yeah. So that's the end of the Emma Approved Revival. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this, Jillian? I mean, I'm, I think it's like very rare that one of your favorite web series gets a revival. Just sort of like, and it's just, it was so funny for us that like we're doing this podcast. Mm Because I remember when you and I first started doing this podcast like two years ago. And one of our conversations that we were having were like, is it like relevant? Like, are people going to care about this like three years later? Like it's a thing no one really knows about anymore. And it's been great because like it's the internet and people can stumble across this content at any time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really glad that they didn't ask the question. Well, maybe they did ask the question, but like why now? Just because it's a great show and it deserves to live on. Yeah. And so I'm glad that they did it. And I'm glad that we kind of got to see where everyone's at five years later. Yeah. They're all grown up. They you know, are all grown like, up, yeah. Harriet isn't the naive recent college grad anymore. She's a stronger person and she's able to make decisions on her own without consulting Emma on everything, which yeah. is really cool to see. Emma's owning up to her mistakes more quickly. Like she realizes the effects she can have sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's grown in different ways and it's cool to see um, – how they've progressed together you know they've all been working together for so long at this point and they've just got a good rhythm to uh how this company is running and they all are able to help each other out when they're all down on spirits and and you know 
morale is low. They know how to bring each other up. And Mm -hmm. even with, like, differences or fights, they are able to come back together and work together to, like, support Emma, who is, like, the head of this company, to, like, ultimately take her and build it out even more. Yeah. So with that, uh, that's the end. Obviously, we still have more of Emma season one to cover. So we'll continue with that next week. Hooray! This episode has been... Pemberley Podcast Approved. approved.